Psalm 103, it's kind of been a passage in my heart for a while. You know, it, the scripture says in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, there's your key right there, don't forget. Don't forget his benefits. And then it lists three of the benefits and more as you go through the whole Psalm 103. But the first three benefits, it says, who forgives all. Someone say all. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals all. Say it again, all. All your diseases. Amen. And who crowns you with love and compassion. Like he crowns you. Like he, he doesn't just say, oh, you messed up. Oh, you're diseased. We'll just put you in quarantine until you kind of get over your, you know, whatever you're dealing with. No, as you come to him as you are, as I come to him as I am, he forgives all of our iniquity. He heals all of our disease. He crowns us. He doesn't look at you skeptically or with a hairy eye. He looks at you. <laughs> he looks at you with love and compassion. And he, crown, he, he takes his love and compassion that he has for you and he puts it on your head like a crown. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on all who fear him. So that's good news. I don't know about you guys. That's good news. Well, we're going to feast on his goodness tonight, on the good news of what we know about him, what we've already up to this point learned and, and got revelation on, received and read and studied, all of the facets of his, his nature believe and we've taken hold of. We're going to feast on that. And I believe that as we worship tonight that he's going to He's going to pour his spirit up, out upon us. And as, as he moves on us, wisdom and revelation is going to enter your heart. In Ephesians, I pray for the church. I pray for you that, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation basically would just come upon you, opening the eyes of your heart, of your spirit. When, when we see something deep in our innermost being, it brings revelation light. It like explodes with light and life and floods us. And it actually comes into our mind and it rewires our thinking. It, it actually shows us and teaches us, the revelation of God teaches us something. It teaches us about his nature, something that we didn't know before. And we're like, oh, this is part of his nature. He he loves to surprise me with glitter on my hands. Okay, you're, you might be like, what are you talking about? Everyone here knows. Well, you guys know too. You heard about it. Okay, so we won't go over that whole thing. It's still happening, and I'm still amazed. I'm like, what is this? What is this all about? But I'm, I'm leaning deeper and deeper into him, and I believe that as the scripture says, and take this for all of us, as we behold him, as we come and behold him and get lost in his majesty as we behold him and get lost in his majesty you and i as we stand before him with the veil removed our faces locked on jesus we will become transformed we will reflect the glory of the lord it says that in in second uh, corinthians let me just grab the bible real quick this might be half of the preach tonight you know how this happens, you guys. Whoa. <laughs> Do you guys love this book? This, this book is my lifeline. I mean, Tammy's my human lifeline right next to me, but, but this book, this is, this is so important. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, okay, it's the time we think, oh, this is about someone getting saved. You know, they, they aren't believers, and then they turn to the Lord. Well, that, that's true, but this is for you and I because we get the opportunity to turn to the Lord, which is called what? Repentance. Thank you. That's repentance. True repentance is turning to the Lord. 
It's not as much about tears as it is about a change of heart and mind and change of direction. So when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. How many of us know that sometimes veil, there's just whatever that veil could be. You, you put a word on it, a name, a situation, whatever we're facing, whatever we hear, some bad news, some stuff going on in the world, that can actually come in like a veil. It's like the enemy is like, let me just put a veil in front of you. And you're like, how come I can't see the Lord right now? I need to turn to him. I need to, I need to turn to the Lord. And then as soon as you turn to him, that veil is like. So whenever, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So we're going to do that in a minute here. We're going to turn to the Lord. and The veil is going to slip right out of this place, whatever that veil may be. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit who is with us right now, living inside of you in this room, we want to acknowledge him because he is God and he is with us. The presence of God, Holy Spirit. The, we call him the third person of the Trinity. I don't think we need to number the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We just know Holy Spirit is God and God is in the room. He is in the room. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. We need liberty to walk in the door right now. That'd be awesome, our friend Liberty. Freedom. We need freedom. We always need freedom. God is, God is freeing us up. He is so determined to keep his kids free, to get every little snag and snare and little vine that tries to wrap around your foot, any little weed that might be growing in your personal garden that's trying to create a root system that needs to not be there. He is such a good gardener, a faithful father to continuously free us as we turn to him. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, say we, <laughs> we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is going to manifest his glory on us and transform us into the likeness of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. So when I look at the sparkles on my, on my hands, I'm not like, God, don't ever let it go away. Although, yeah, maybe there's a part of me that doesn't want it to go away. But I believe that the scripture tells us that this glory, whatever way he manifests his glory on our lives, his intent is that it increases. Because he's revealing a facet of his nature. He's teaching us something about himself. He loves to surprise us. He loves to have fun with his kids. It was a word I got Wednesday night, uh, this interesting word, and I knew it was supposed to be in the German, although I looked it up in English and German. It was the word spiel. I saw it. I saw the word spiel while we were worshiping. Spiel. It means to have fun, to play. And as, well, I won't even go into that, but as I saw that word, God showed me what I could do with having fun, with playing. But he, he's inviting us tonight to have fun, like Loosen up. Let all of your, you know, formalities just drop off. We're here in the family room tonight, and we're going to worship our king. And Jesus, our king, he is the king of heaven, the king of joy, the king of peace. He has the spirit without measure, joy without measure. And he is here tonight in the room where two or more are gathered in his name. He's here with us. Let's just wrap our mind around that. Let's acknowledge him right now. Yeah, I won't even read the scriptures that I had set apart. Why don't we stand? We're going to acknowledge Jesus. We're going to make some declarations. Tammy's all ready for those declarations. Let me just look at this scripture. Actually, I'm going to read this scripture after we do the declaration. So here we go. There's power in your words. Power 
that can bring life, it can bring death. We're going to speak life right now. You guys ready? Here we go. I am powerful, and what I believe changes the world. So today, I declare that God is in a good mood. He loves me all the time. Nothing can separate me from his love. Jesus paid for everything. I will tell nations of what he has done. I am important. How he made me is amazing. I was designed for worship. My mouth will establish praise to silence the enemy. And everywhere I go becomes a perfect health zone. And with God, nothing is impossible. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for the truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence tonight. God, we come into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter your courts with praise. God, we come right now and we want to see the door of our spirit flung wide open so that your presence, your spirit, can be released in this room in, in increasing measures. Lord, we welcome you tonight. We say, come, come Holy Spirit. Come and have your way in this place. Come and have your way in us. Lord, come and do your work in our hearts and in our minds as we behold you, as we, be, as we come and behold your majesty. We want to get lost in your presence tonight. So here we come, Lord. We just say, here we are. Here we are. By your blood, we come into your courts. By your grace, we enter your gates with thanksgiving and praise. In Jesus' name, let's worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Lord. Holy Lord. Holy Lord. We are your burning ones, Lord. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Thank you, Jesus. When we were at the barn in Olala last night for worship with the proctors, I was seeing the room full of priests in the room, just like right now. This room is full of priests. And the Lord, is, he's looking at your heart. He's looking at our hearts. I saw what I felt like I saw him doing in the room tonight. It was he's, he was leaning in towards each heart in this room. He's looking at your heart. That's what he's after. He's after your heart. He wants your heart. And he wants to set your heart on fire. Revelation 1 says that the eyes of the Lord are like blazing flames of fire. And Hebrews tells us that our God is an all-consuming fire. When he looks at your heart and you turn your heart towards him, he wants to set your heart on fire. The scripture said about Jesus, a bruised reed he will not bend or he will not break. And a smoldering, flickering flame he will not snuff out. Instead, what he does is he comes to the heart that's aimed towards him and he brings support. And he breathes on that, that flickering flame. He breathes on that smoldering wick. And I know what happens when he breathes his breath on a flame that's about ready to go out. So let's just put our hands out before him now. Just put your hands out. Put your heart in your hand before him. 
Jesus, come. Come and breathe your breath. Breathe your fire. Breathe life into these hearts. We are your burning ones, Lord. Just receive the breath of Jesus into your heart. Just say to him, Lord, breathe on my heart. Hearts are yours, Lord. You can have it all. You can have it all. The other thing I was sensing, and I'm going to invite um, anyone who's got anyone, Johnny, if you've got something, or David and Kara, kids, if you guys have something that that the Lord gave you in worship to release to the church for strengthening and encouraging, then I want you to, to come up. Um, the other thing that I, I felt the Lord remind me of tonight was Stephen in the Bible. Stephen, the first martyr of the Lord. Stephen was, was doing miracles and signs and wonders. He was ministering powerfully in the, by the Spirit of God working through his life. He was, he was doing the stuff And he preached a message in the face of the Pharisees and the temple leaders, and they did not like it because he confronted the reality that the one that they killed, the one that they wanted to have crucified, he is the king of glory. He's the king of heaven. And it says in Acts 7, when they heard these things, they were overtaken with violent rage, filling their souls. They gnashed their teeth at him. I can't gnash my teeth. That might hurt, but they were not happy. But Stephen, overtaken with great faith, was full of the Holy Spirit. You might have an enemy gnashing their teeth at you right now, but as Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, you and I can be full of the Holy Spirit in any moment. And he fixed his gaze into the heavenly realm. He turned his face toward heaven, and he saw the glory and splendor of God and Jesus who stood up at the right hand of God. Now, most of the time when we read about Jesus at the right hand of the Father, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. But this is the first martyr, the first Christian to die for Jesus. And we see Jesus was standing up to receive Stephen. Look, Stephen said, I can see the heavens opening and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God to welcome me home. His accusers covered their ears with their hands and screamed at the top of their lungs to drown out his voice. (laughs) Wow. And then they pounced on him and threw him outside the city walls to stone him. His accusers, one by one, placed their outer garments at the feet of a young man named Saul of Tarsus. We know who that man is, Saul of Tarsus. That very man who had the clothing of these people ready to stone Stephen, a man of God. They laid their garments at Saul's feet. And Saul, when he had the encounter with King Jesus, was knocked off of his horse and he became Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament. We don't know what God's plan is for the one that might be standing against us, the one who might be an enemy, the one who has wronged us or done us harm. It says, as they hurled stone after stone at Stephen, they weren't just throwing little rocks. They're trying to, they're killing him. Stephen prayed, our Lord Jesus, accept my spirit into your presence. He crumpled to his knees and shouted in a loud voice, our Lord Don't hold this sin against them. And then he died. I believe one of the biggest obstacles in this Christian life is the the opportunity, the 
option, although it's not really an option. It's the occasion when, right, someone has harmed us, someone has wronged us, someone has offended us, and we have to forgive them. We can look at this extreme and realize that even Stephen, even Stephen, even Stephen, as he was being stoned, pelted with big rocks, hitting him in his head and in his body, he said, God, our Lord, don't hold this against them. And then we can turn to Jesus, our great high priest, our king on the cross. What did he say in the face of the enemies who were crucifying him? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I don't know about you, but at one time, I was an enemy of the cross. I hated Christians. I hated the church, and I hated that cross that I would walk past on my way home and back and forth. And I would raise my fist at that cross. I was an enemy of the cross. Maybe someone knew that about me at that time, and Maybe they prayed for me. Maybe they thought, oh, there's no hope. All I know is there were people praying for me. And Jesus brought me in. He rescued me from darkness and brought me into the light. Those very people that, that offend, that hurt, that harm us, it's his will that they would come to him and find salvation. So I just want to release that. I, I, I release the grace to forgive quickly, to get over offense quickly because it doesn't harm them, it only harms us, right? It's like swallowing poison. When we're bitter towards someone, when we're angry and hate, hateful towards someone because of something they've done, it's like drinking poison when we keep that in. And it only hurts us. It doesn't hurt them at all. They could care less what you're feeling, right? So I feel like the Lord wants us to, to embrace one of those high truths of the Christian faith, of our walk with him, to be quick to forgive, to learn to forgive, even if you can't quickly do it, to make time to get with him and pour it out at his feet. And I'm not preaching this at any one person in the room, believe me. This is, I feel like this was the Lord tonight. So anyone else has a word of encouragement? I know you guys, um, are you nodding tonight or are you, are you doing that? Okay, okay. It, I'm going to have David and Cara come up. Um, they're going to share both or one of you, both? You're both going to come up? Yeah, you need to hold each other up. Might be a little wobbly tonight. I'll leave this up here and all you got to do, you know what to do. I'll take my communion cups. Would you guys like both microphones? Hi, guys. My name is Cara Williams, and this is my husband, David Williams. And we live here in Bremerton. And tonight we're going to share about our recent conference that we got back from four days in Oklahoma with our prayer network. We're the Washington State Apostolic Leaders for the Heartland Apostolic Prayer Network. We have leaders in all 50 states, and I think we're up to 122 nations also that we have leaders in that we get to hear from. And um, we're gonna, this is gonna be a brief, it's not gonna be a preach. It should be encouraging though, and it should also be a time where you feel um, a sense of where your call is on the wall for your family, for your city, for your state, for your nation. So, and David, you have something to share first? Yeah, before we get started on sharing about our experience with AJPN, I just wanted to share with everybody that during worship, um, I was seeing some pictures of what Holy Spirit was showing me. and. The first one is when we were beginning, it was like um, there's rain clouds coming over us and it was beginning to rain, but it was like not normal rain. It was like rain with like the gold sparkles that you guys have been seeing. And then 
it just kept raining and raining, like heavier and heavier. And then it was like the water started coming across the ground and it was filled with more of the gold sparkles. And that's kind of the theme of this. There's gold sparkles everywhere. <laughs> And at one point, like, we're all just getting on a train that has gold sparkles, and... It's but a, a glory train? It's like a glory train, yeah. The glory train had, like, pools of water in it that you could just sit in and ride and, and take wherever Holy Spirit was taking us. And I feel like that's speaking to... Um, the fact that we can... We don't have to strive to go somewhere with Holy Spirit. We can rest, we can rest in him and just go where he's taking us. And, um, and we can just be in his presence. And I think the gold sparkle speaks to just his sheer glory. Like we can be in his glory and be surrounded by it. So I hope that's encouraging to you guys. I also felt like he was, his spirit was just wrapping each and every one of us, including myself, just um, comforting, comforting us. So. Well, you know, um, trains speak of a transition. A lot of times if you have trains, or if the Lord is showing you trains or other vehicles, that can be a time of transition that the Lord is putting you in. And you're like in between different stages right advancing and so if this is a train filled with restful pools of water pools of glory okay so let's just say that's for this house right now everybody here and any listening that this transition season that we're going into that we get to rest in him and it's a good transition we're resting in his transition and we are in his time thank you lord so that kind of actually goes through what, what's up here, you guys. Are you guys looking at this image up here, guys? This is the prophetic art for the year 5784. We're in the Hebraic year 5784. We're still in the Gregorian calendar of 2023, and we'll be in 2024 soon. Uh, the red symbol, that's the um, alphanumeric Hebraic symbol for Dalit, I believe, which is for a door. And it's symbolic of the number four. So we're in five, seven, eight, four. We're in the decade, the 80s, in the biblical or Hebraic um, calendar. And that's the decade of pay, what you say. So prophetically, we're watching our words in this decade. And that's why one of the first things that happened in five, seven, eight, eight, zero, 2020, what did they do? They put face. They put masks on our face. So we can see that the enemy is always what the Lord is showing us. So we've got the lion of the tribe of Judah at war with the enemy of darkness. And we are going through a door. The Lord is calling his church to go through this door into this new season. And there is war at the door. There is war at the threshold. Every transition, we rest in the Lord. But you know when the Lord is calling you into a new season, there's some contention and some agitation and there's some things you got to leave behind some old mindsets so you have room for the new so that's what this picture is um, symbolic of we're in an era of spiritual warfare i'm not saying natural this is all spiritual guys even though we have natural wars that are also happening um, and we see angels and we see the the army of the lord we're getting re ready to cross into this new era so just keep this in mind while we're sharing so so we heard from many speakers, but um, it's four days of intense equipping, encouraging, exhorting, and we get to hear from briefs from other leaders from other nations, UN leaders, other um, people who have met with other presidents of Middle Eastern nations, and in Europe we had a prince share with us from Europe. That's part of the Apostolic Network. It's just crazy stuff. It's really encouraging. The theme this year is the love of the Father for the nations. God the Father loves you, and he loves all the nations. He created the nations. So he sent his son, Jesus, 
for all of his kids. That's why God loves us so much that he sent Jesus for all the nations on the earth, for every bloodline, every nation in Washington state, every nation that's part of your family, God sent his son to reconcile and redeem them back to him. And he wants to give us keys, right? We've got to be old enough, mature enough, responsible enough to have the keys to the house, the keys to the car, the keys to the city. He's not just going to hand the keys off to little babies. So this is a call to the church. You guys, come on, it's time. Let's get ready. The Lord has need of us. There's a war. It's real. The harvest is ripe. There's a place for us. And he wants us to walk responsibly in that. So Chuck Pierce, um, he positioned us for the war of the door. He said, this is not a prayer movement. This is kingdom expansion. This is the era of the government of heaven. The government of heaven is invading the earth realm. That's why there's so much shaking. Do not despair. Do not come into fear. It's not going to stop shaking. The darkness gets darker, but the light gets brighter. You guys, this is why we see so much gold right now. The Lord is lighting us up, right? So we can go into dark places. We're called to go so the gates of hell will not prevail. We don't step into fear. We've been given the keys to the kingdom. We have that authority. We have the armor of God. We have a sword. It's not just for sitting around. Although sometimes I guess we get to sit in glory pools. So This is an all-hands-on-deck. If you're a believer, you are called into this, right? We're not just, you, and you can do this, and some people do, just the gospel of salvation, you're saved to heaven, and that's all you've got the capacity and the bandwidth for, and you just want to, you know, sit back. Okay. But there's so much more that you can be engaged in. There's a purpose for you. You were born here for this time, for 2023, for this state, for this place, for this nation, you name it, for your family bloodline. This is what you were born for. So if you're a believer, you're a minister. Every single person in here, if you're a Christian, you're a believer. You're a minister of the gospel of hope, of truth, of love, and of peace. Find your assignment. Ask the Lord what your assignment is. You're in your family. You're just a kid doing school right now. That's your assignment. Good job. Do it well. You're working. Whatever your job is, that's your assignment. Whatever city you're placed in, that's your assignment. Pray for peace. Pray for mercy. And pray that the Lord will send us good leaders. So Chuck had a warning for us. He had, um, he had a vision last year. And the Lord showed him a high view of the entire United States of America. And he saw 50 angels over every state. And he saw one angel over the whole nation. And you can look this up further or we can go into it another time in more um, depth. But he said all the angels had their swords in their sheath. And he said we need to be praying and doing our part. Because he said this Passover, the Lord is assessing the church, the whole church in each state. And depending on their assessment, the angels are going to pull their swords out and draw judgment on that state. So that doesn't sound good to me. But there's a responsibility that we have, and it's, it's not all on one person or one church. So we need to pray for all the churches in our states, in the nation. We're called to be the salt and the light. We're called to partner with God for his promise, not to curse where we live not to judge, not to judge the people. But the Lord will hold the church accountable. So we just keep praying for mercy. And so this is what the Lord showed him, and this is a prophetic vision, so I don't know what the outcome is because it's prophetic. We don't know what it looks like. But we can partner and ask the Lord, what is our place? So we know that we're doing our part to help build up the whole church in our cities. And we want, we want judgment because judgment is, is not condemnation. And it's not always punishment. There's consequences, right? But it's a, it's a verdict rendered 
in an answer to like, what's the outcome? Like this happened, so here's the judgment. And we want God's judgment on our side against the enemy. We don't want that the, the church of the state didn't do its job by praying and interceding. And we just like fought with one another instead of fighting the enemy. That we're actually heaping, you know, coals upon our heads. That can happen. So we just want to partner with mercy. Mercy, mercy over, over everybody and lift up our brothers and sisters. Jesus loves Washington and he loves Bremerton and he loves Seattle. And we need to partner with that. I know like we heard that last night in Olala and I've had to do that too where stop cursing Seattle. We got to bless Seattle, guys. We got to bless where we live. It's kind of like complaining about the job that you go to even though that's how you pay your bills. You know, like maybe we should be more thankful, right? Amen. So this is just some some war strategy. Um, so this season that we're going into, this thing that we're going into, guys, like the lion of the tribe of Judah is roaring. The angel armies are assembling, and they are ready to go. And some of the stuff is like already happening. And the Lord is calling up the church. Where are you? Where's the remnant? Who's ready to get on this wall? Reinforcements are coming. The Lord is awakening. There's like, I'm hearing rumblings of whole groups of people in the church that people didn't know were even there. So it's not this like sparse thing. There's more people out there. The Lord is calling up his church. He's awakening his bride. So we need to be smart. Don't fight every battle that comes your way. Don't fight every demon you see. You'll dole your sword. You'll burn out. You need to watch what has the Lord called you to and trust that he has people assigned to every need and every field. We are not everybody's answer. Only Jesus is everybody's answer. So we need to be smart and do like, not everybody's the Calvary, right? Some people are the medics. Some people are in the supply depot. Like, ask the Lord what your field is and do that. Um, and find your Shabbat, find your rest. Biblically, the land doesn't prosper unless it rests. Like, they practiced um, every seven years, they were supposed to completely rest the, the land. They weren't allowed to sow anything or to till or to harvest. And so we need to be mindful of our rest, right? Preach. It's good to rest. Rest in the Lord. When you're resting, you're actively trusting that the Lord has it. He's got that day. He's watching the night in the night season. You can trust him with your finances. You can take that day, that extra day, whatever it is, the Lord has it. So this is a family war. We're going into the new wineskin. We've heard a lot about that. The new door. And um, the apostolic is on the earth for the first time since the early church. So the fivefold, the government of God, hasn't been seen in the earth for a couple hundred years now. Since they like, they slowly got rid of like all the fivefold. And then every like I think the 60s, the 70s, the teachers came back. And the 80s is when, like, the prophets got put back in position. And then the 2000s, the apostles were being kind of put back into position. Like, the pastors and, I, and the evangelists, I think they've always been with us. So. so this is a war for the family of God. And it's for your family, too, because even though the nations are raging, God does care about you and your families. And it's great that he has the capacity to do that, because I don't. <laughs> There's, like, so much going on, I have no idea. But he cares about each one of us. One of the things that we were really encouraged about was when Harold Eberly was sharing, and, um, one of his books is The Father-Son Theology, and the Western church really embraces, and the Greek and Roman church really embraces God as creator and God as judge. And then God as father. 
But the truth is, God is Father first, before he was creator. He created us so he would have children, which means he was Father first. And we have to position ourselves to see that all of this, the Lord is warring for us, for his children. We're not just created out of dirt. We were created and given life in his image. And we were given his breath. His breath of life is in each one of us. This is a family war. And you're part of the family of God. We're all called together to lock arms and fight for each other. Each other. He is a good, loving father. Our identity as children is what we're warring for. Our identity in him. This is the season for renewed covenant, partnering with his promise for each one of us. Every one of us has a promise, and you have to fight for that thing. You have to contend for it. You can't just get the promise and, like, drop it off. It, it, nothing will happen. You can read the whole Bible. is filled with lots of promises that people did not pick up. And you might be sharing on this, but Adam had a promise. God put him in the garden to steward it. Did he succeed? Anybody? No. Big F in the chat. F's in the chat. So if, if Adam is walking with God every day, God's mercy is there for Adam and Eve, and they failed. And he sent Jesus for us. We can keep hoping and putting our hope in God. This is your promise. We're going to be faithful to steward it. We're not perfect, but we've got the Holy Spirit to help us, to teach us how to do this. So this is the season. This is the era. Inner healing, sozo, deliverance, get in your word, maintain your temple, build up your character, stir up your gifts, because this is serious what we're doing, and I don't want to get pulled off the wall and watch. I want to be an active participant, and I don't want to be part of friendly fire either where I'm hurting my family because of stuff I can't take care of or I'm unwilling to take care of. And with that, extending compassion and grace to each other to help pull each other up and having patience with each other. The church is being called into her position as an heir. You have an inheritance. You have a royal inheritance. We need to act like it, guys. Act like the prince. Act like the king, the queen that you are. You've got the keys. You've got the signet ring. You've got access to the heavenly realms. You can pull anything down that is needed on this earth. Like, let's do it, right? We get to administrate the love of the father who's willing to go to war for his children. This is our stance. We're fighting for the church, We're fighting for the bride. We're fighting for our nation. We're fighting for our families. The Lord loves us, and we get to administrate, administrate the love of the Father through Jesus Christ. Darkness is getting darker, darker and darker. But we have been given authority to overcome. We do not have the spirit of fear. We got to dust it off, dust each other off, build each other up, exhort, edify. There's a lot of bad news. You guys, there's so much bad news. It's not easy to, like, it's just everywhere, right? You got to step over it, step around it. We're not ignorant of these things, but we really have to work hard and fashion ourselves to come up higher so we're speaking into those things, and they're not speaking into us. Do not let the darkness speak into you. Do not partner with the darkness of your soul. Plead the blood of Jesus. Get in the word. What is his promise for your soul? Do not give in. You are worth fighting for. Your life is worth fighting for. Fight for yourself. Fight for your place here. God put you here for a reason. That's what we're standing for. We need to partner with each other. The Holy Spirit, build each other up. Renewed hope. You have a place here. You have a place on this earth. 
you were put in your family for a reason and ask the Lord, what is that purpose? And take that stance. Administer hope. Sparkle that glory dust all over it. You are the key to your city. The Lord has given you the keys to the city. Am I the key, God? Yes, I am. I'm one of them. There's a lot of keys. You guys, we've got no excuses for some of the stuff that goes on in the city, except that the church hasn't been praying. Maybe the church hasn't been prophesying. Maybe the church hasn't been interceding and waging war against the kingdom of darkness like we're called to do. Oh, this city's hopeless. This is darkness. Oh, it's Washington State. Oh, it's our governor. Three terms. Oh, there's no hope. No, you guys. This might be our first day, but it's Thursday. You are the key. You are the key to your family, to your state, to your neighborhood. You're the key. Pray the promises. We have to war for the promises. We don't war from the headlines. We can use that as strategic prayer, but we should be turning the tables on those things because we have the authority to do that. I'm telling you. I know we know this, but this is an encouragement. So I want to go into this. Lord, whatever you're calling us to steward, I want to, whatever the mark is, we're praying into this, that we're supposed to be hitting by Passover. I'm just praying for Washington State. Like, we're, we're on the wall for Washington, and we're not the only ones I know. It's, it's never all up to us. Like, thank goodness. But I do take it very seriously that the church in Washington is not as united as she should be. And we need to be quick to forgive church hurt. We need to be quick to forgive our families, right? We need to extend that grace, and we need to know that there's wounded people, wound people, and that's not an excuse. But, Lord, that you would just reach down into this city and that the Father's heart, right, if everybody knew that there was a place for them, like there's so many people in this city, we could have more churches and not run out of, like, room, still not be at capacity, that the Lord would just break off that spirit of fear and competition and territorialism. And that we would know what our, each one of us is called to do and not compare and not criticize how each church is doing what they're supposed to be doing. So, so that's, that's my part is this is a family war. We're warring with each other, for each other. And I'm just praying for Washington State. Lord God, that we would do what, what you have called each one of us to do so we can have a good report for the whole church in Washington. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in the world right now. I think we all know that. But this, um, this prophetic season that we're in, the year 5784, this is the high-level view that God is giving us to really understand what he's doing in the world right now. You know, the story started with God at the beginning, creating the heavens and the earth, and created man. And then Jesus came along and saved us all from, from ourselves. And then there was the church. And there's, you know, going out into the world to preach the gospel. But it did not end with them. Each one of us has a very special part to play in all of this. We're part of that legacy of the church. We're part of that legacy. And this is very... I want to say we have an active role to participate in. This isn't something we can just sit back and, and think about and, and hope that things go well. Each one of us has a, a, a purpose and a part to play in it. And I say all that because I think over the last few years, even my own um, mindset has changed. Like I used to think that God was very distant very far away, 
like I knew he was a good father, but actually, Father God is always closer than we think. He's always permeating our world. And to know where we are, where we fit in this, this um, puzzle piece that God's putting together, we can, quick, we can ask him, and God does answer. We can ask him, Lord, what is, what is my purpose in all of this? What, are, what do you want me to do? What, do you, what did you create me to do? So, I don't want to preach too long on that, but I wanted to recap one of the speakers that was at HAPN. Her name is Barbara Wintrouble. Is anybody, is anybody familiar with her, Barbara Wintrouble? Okay, so she's a pretty seasoned um, uh, pastor and prophetic voice in the church, and um, she's had many prophecies in the past, but... Um, at HAPN, she, she had this revelation that um, that uh, God, you know, Father God loves the nations and the nations are, in, are his inheritance. And to really understand, like, we're connected into this inheritance because um, with Adam, you know, when God created Adam, he gave Adam all authority. And then Adam messed up and he gave that authority away. So Jesus' plan was to come into the world and regain that authority, both as, as God, but also as a man on the earth. So God retain that authority in the earth. And so um, when Jesus was uh, announcing his ministry, it was a fulfillment of a jubilee. And he's essentially announcing a title deed transfer. So the Israelites were supposed to have a jubilee year. They were instructed by God way back then when, they, when he brought them out of Egypt. They were supposed to have a jubilee and a jubilee meant that um, any land that had been transferred uh, to some other ownership somehow, that was supposed to be a return to the original family. Well, the Israelites never had a jubilee year because that, that particular ordinance was never followed. But then Jesus came back, and he was essentially announcing to the world that he is the true son of God, and that his ministry is a fulfillment of that. And so by being there, by being an heir, he's retaking that inheritance back. The inheritance that was originally destined for Adam was now legally handed back to Jesus. And we have a lot of hope in this because we get our salvation from Jesus. And there's a, a place in scripture where Jesus points to his disciples and says, he says, these are my brothers and sisters. And this is important because in the Bible, if, if there was no legal heir to, um, to an inheritance, it would usually go to a brother or another relative. Well, this is important for us because when now that we're in Christ Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> now that we're in Him, or we, you know, and we we are fellow heirs with Jesus, that means that we are also heirs with the inheritance. And what is the inheritance of Jesus? It's the nations. It's all the nations of the earth, and it's the earth. The earth is God's inheritance, and the nations are God's inheritance. So how do we know that we're part of this inheritance? Well, Jesus says to us that those who obey the commands of Jesus are rightful heirs. This is a paraphrase. Um, <laughs> and um, and, and, part of, and how we go forward in, in claiming this inheritance is that we have to manage what God has given us wisely. We have to use our authority as he's given us, uh, us, us to use, and we have to go disciple nations. 
And I think this is, now I'm going back into my own thoughts, this is really why, why it's so important that we see what, whatever sphere that we're in, whether it's school or a job, or even here in this church or in this city, this is where we're sent to disciple nations. You know, we usually think of a nation as the typical, like, you've got borders and boundaries and stuff, but you may be sent to just a specific segment of that nation until God increases your authority to something even greater. But this is why this message, Barbara Wentrouble's message, really grabbed my attention because when I was younger, it was really emphasized to me that you go to school, you get an education, you get a job, you get a career, you become successful. And that's hammered into, I know, I think that was hammered into my entire generation, at least in the public school system. And I think you can only get so far with that. And I think we got really duped because when you take that and compare that to God's plan and what God is doing, that's a really small vision. God's vision is to go after the nations. And the vision that was handed to us by previous generations was, we're just supposed to be successful. But we know that just being successful doesn't fulfill, doesn't fill us. Because we know that there are successful people in the world and they're, they've got a big hole in their heart and they're, they're going after worldly things trying to fill a hole that they can't fill. And so this is important to me because even over the past three years, I've been personally, I've been trying to shift my mindset away from this whole goal-driven thing of live the American dream and go be successful and work a job. And you can do that and it's an okay plan. You might run yourself into the ground doing that. But knowing that the nations are God's inheritance and because we are co-heirs with him, the nations are also our inheritance. So that changes how we think. That changes how we position ourselves, how our heart posture. How does God see the nations? I want to see how God sees nations. How does my role here in this city uh, how does my role here, or even in this church, or in my workplace, how does that fit with God's goals to receive the nations? What am, how, what am I doing that's lining up? See, everything shifts after that. I'm not just doing a career now to have the American dream, be successful, have lots of money, retire. Hopefully I have enough money to retire and do that thing. Now it's completely shifted. I'm a son of God. You're a son and, and daughter. You're sons and daughters. You're sons and daughters. See how that shifts everything? And, it's, and remember, the, like Harold Everly talks about a father-son theology. And I'm really grabbing onto that. He really is a father, and he's not a distant father. This is an active participation we get to be involved in. And it's really cool because there's some big stuff going on with a lion and a dragon. What else we got in there? We have a pen. There's a pen in there. I think that's kind of hard to see. Oh, is that the copyright? No, no. This, this pen right here? Is that the watermark? Oh. Well, if the decade of the mouth, you know, that's, it's what you speak. So I think the pen could be something because you're writing what you're saying. Prophesy. There's a lot of power in the pen. I think that's been said before. That's a cliche. But there's an active part for you. There's an active part for you and 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 for you. And I'm looking at each one of you guys in the eyes. Every single one of you, including us, it's not just me and Kara. It's not just Scott and Tammy. It's every one of us. We all have a very special role to play. And it's, it's way better than we think it is. And I'm, I'm kind of drawing this into a close. We, I think even, even the past few weeks, guys, like I've had a ton of spiritual warfare. I've had a ton of things coming at me. 
and I've had to see in the lies for what they are. And I've had to go back and remind myself what the truth is. Cars had to help me remind me what the truth is. The truth is God loves you very much. He cares about you. He wants you to join him in what he's doing. And this, is, this can be a lot of fun. I think the whole goal that what you experienced, Scott and Tammy, and down in writing with the whole gold is just a beginning of that. Seeing God's presence in the physical. A lot of times you'll hear uh, different ministers talk about how the physical impacts the spiritual, and the spiritual impacts the physical. I can't go into much more detail than that, but I think that what you're seeing in the physical is obviously a manifestation of the spiritual. Shop, 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 shop. So I think that's to help us clue in, like God is really, he's here, he's doing stuff, he's talking to us, he's consistently talking to me, he's talking to you every single day. You try to drown out the, the enemy, you give him the steel-toed boot as best you can. But also, if you can't, if for some reason something stops, you know, if it's overwhelming, if the enemy is overwhelming you, you can ask God, can you just take out this enemy for me? Just put your eyes on Jesus. Our sole focus should just be on Jesus every step of the way. So just remember, you are a son and a daughter of God. He loves you very much. Focus on him and what he's doing. And this is a, a journey and an adventure we get to join him on. So. Yeah, we're, we're not alone. Father is leading this war. Father God has equipped us for this. We are not alone. The church the bride of Christ is being called into activation. This is like, that's why they, we keep hearing the church war is over. We're not just filling seats. We're not just coming to church on a Sunday and just ticking a box. This is apostolic movement. The heart of the Father is moving across the nation and he's calling all of us. There's a position for all of us. There's a purpose for all of us. And then when we have the day-to-day -day stuff that we all deal with, all of us, because we're all human, we have to work with this. That's why we pray for each other and we ask for help. Yep. And there's no shame in asking for help. Like, we all need it. We need it. We yep. need prayer. Yep. We're just trying to figure it out, too. Yep. So let's everybody stand and pray for this. Lord, we just thank you for, for your wisdom that you release to each one of us, Lord. We thank you for the spirit of wisdom and counsel, for revelation, Lord God, that you just don't send us into dark places and you didn't just put us on this earth just to see it go like haywire, Lord God. I don't even come into agreement with that. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The nations are your inheritance. We bless Bremerton. Lord, we bless our own feet, Lord God that we are shod with the gospel of peace. We are here for a purpose, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you have put us here to partner with reconciliation in each one of our families, Lord God, that you bless our marriages, that you bless our children and our grandchildren, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that you bless the churches in Kitsap County, Lord. Lord, that we would be a hope and an encouragement to them, Lord. Lord, I just break every assignment from the accuser of the brethren off right now in Jesus' name off of this city. Yes. We just silence that now. And Father, I just ask that you would roar across this city your hope and your love, that you would trumpet, Lord God, the love of the Father over this city, that we have need and there is room for everyone, Lord God. Lord, would you just dispel the orphan spirit off of this city? And would you just, Holy Spirit, take us into that place, the truth that we are heirs yes, with Lord. Jesus, seated with Jesus at your throne. 
Lord, I just bless everyone tonight, Lord, that everyone would have rest, rest, and rest, Lord God. And we just bless this week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, gang, that was good. I just want to say something real quick. You know, that what they brought is really good stuff. And I want to just, I feel like what it is, is it's, it's the big picture view. And it might feel like, how do we do this? Like, little old me helped take a nation. Come next week and we'll find out. Because what we experienced at our conference ties in directly with what they went to. But for us, it was, it was broken down to a very practical, very practical way for you and me to release the kingdom into where we're at. So it's a domino effect. You take your home, which takes your family, which takes your neighborhood, which takes your workplace, which takes the city, to the whole city, to the county. And then when the whole county comes under the kingdom, boom, the state. And one state falls under the kingdom of God, and then the whole nation can take, it just, it just continues to increase. The increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. We get the fun of releasing it. Like, let's just Begin to push dominoes wherever you see them.